Hamer Hippier by Cypher. Soap would be the first to admit that he was a fool. A damn lucky one, but a fool nevertheless. Of course, in the heat of things, he hadn't felt like he was being the most harebrained idiot in the face of the planet. But Adrenaline tended to muddle things, which is why he had Ghost and Price there. To make sure things didn't go to shit by handing out orders with a quick wit that he could only compare to Mimir. He, Odin, their voices over the comms, Mimir's counsel. Except, of course, Soap decided to completely ignore his superior's orders and retrieve the USB regardless of the building actively collapsing around him. If he were a part of any other task force, such blatant insubordination would have had him on toilet duty for months at best. But he was a part of the one-for-one, and that meant far graver consequences, at least for soap. Gaz would absolutely get to scrub toilets for months. Has, too, and he never lets the rest of them forget it, the bastard. He hardly made it through medical with ghosts and Price's piercing glare bearing his very soul before them. He was already mortified enough, having to be half-carried to the helo during extraction and made to thank his lieutenant like a child being scolded for stealing candy. He was grateful, of course, despite how desperately he was beginning to wish that the rebel had crushed his skull instead of his ankle, if only so that he no longer had to feel like a kid caught red-handed. But he was a grown-ass man who very much had a reputation he would like to upkeep that his team was not assisting with. Quite the opposite, actually. Still, he had made it long enough for Price and Ghost to drag him away from the pitying looks of the others for a debrief. Minus his blatant insubordination and slightly broken ankle, it was almost routine. It was often that he and Ghost were left in Price's scant office under the guise of debriefing, which he supposed wasn't entirely false, but it was more of a stress release than any real talk of the mission. Ghost was often wound so tight after deployment, no matter how well it went. He needed space to get out of his head for a while, and Soap and Price were more than welcome to aid him with that in no small part because it meant a brainless, compliant ghost in Soap's lap and Price's fat cock resting in his needy mouth while Soap relayed the mission details to their captain. What wasn't routine, however, was that they were heading nowhere near Price's office. Instead, his superior officers seemed to be leading him to Ghost's room, the most secluded space in the entire compound. Soap knew that he was fucked. Completely, totally, absolutely screwed. And not in the fun way. No. This would be where they dressed up his corpse nice and pretty to be strung in the mess hall with his own intestines in a flagrant mockery of Loki's imprisonment as a lesson to all. Except he would have no sigin to ease his suffering. Here lies Sergeant John McTavish, the biggest idiot to have ever walked this mortal plane. May he be wiser in death than he was in life. He could already see it playing out before him. Ghost would stab him between the third and fourth ribs, his mask the last sight he'd ever be graced with. Price would mop his blood up when Ghost was done trussing his corpse up, watching an abject apathy all the while as his moronic sergeant was mutilated to their satisfaction. Sit, Ghost commanded with all the ferocity of a chained and starving wolf, the last howl of Garmer, before Soap's final moments began, as he was shoved none too delicately onto Ghost's bed. The lieutenant stormed off into the adjoined bathroom, lucky bastard as soon as he was situated on the edge of the mattress, leaving him alone with Price, who had yet to say much of anything. His captain's expression was indecipherable, his gaze was shuddered, unusually blank and unyielding, while the hard line of his mouth, half hidden behind his well-trimmed facial hair, 
only revealed the displeasure that Soap already knew that he was feeling. It left him anxious, quite frankly, more than he's ever recalled experiencing before. He knew Price had promised him a proper lashing if he had managed to break his foot, but he wished that he would just get on with it. That ghost would emerge from the locked bathroom door and slit his throat already like he knows the man was itching to do. He lowered his head, choosing to watch his fingers anxiously fiddle with the dusty fabric of his standard cargo pants. He'd rather not see his demise coming, actually. Soap wasn't sure how long he was left to wallow in his own misery, nervously fiddling with his trousers and the skin around his nails, picking until the flesh was red, raw, and bleeding. Eventually, the bathroom door creaked open and Ghost's weight settled behind him, dipping the mattress down as his thick thighs caged Soap's own in. It was a silent affair, not a breath to be heard, and Soap didn't dare look. Not even as Ghost's now bare hand stilt his own with a surprisingly gentle grip. He couldn't stop the hitch of his breath, however, when Simon's chin rested on his right shoulder, the position leaving the man pressed tight against his back. Out of the corner of his eye, he could see the admittedly blurry image of Simon's slightly damp ginger hair that was just shy of being out of regulation, the long fan of his blonde lashes on freshly washed pale skin, and the pinky-purple edges of the port wine stain that stained the majority of his right cheek and his nose. Price stepped forward, a hair's breadth from connecting their legs. Your actions today were unacceptable, McTavish. He was cold and professional. Apathy didn't suit John Price, but frustration often left him short-tempered until there was no temper at all. Soap hated that he was at the receiving end of it this time, and not some poor, unassuming rookie. His captain did not expect an answer, nor did he want one, he's sure. But Soap had never been very good at controlling his tongue. I know, sir. His voice wavered, breaking like a pubescent teenager as he remained unable to lift his gaze from his and Simon's conjoined hands. He found himself close to tears, the familiar but wholly unexpected stinging behind his eyes somehow far more embarrassing than being humiliated in medical had been. And the others weren't even aware of it. Simon's hand squeezed his, as if despite the impossibility he knew anyway, and dragged calloused thumbs across his scarred knuckles. Look at me when I speak, soldier, Price ordered, the rough pads of his fingers harshly tilting his chin up until he could look nowhere other than the man's eyes. Gazing into those endlessly blue pools felt like Yallerhorn was being forced against his lips, the unshakable knowledge of his failure being poured down his throat, flooding his mind and cursing his very existence. This close, he could smell the nicotine on his breath from the cigar he had lit as soon as he had touched down at base. It was acrid yet intimately familiar, everything that was home and yet left him cringing like a terrified child. Yes, sir, he breathed, unable to force his vocal cords to produce a louder sound than the mere ghosting of breath. I'm sorry, sir. Price's expression softened as if he had found whatever he had been searching for in Soap's own but it did nothing to ease the tension building in this frame, clawing at his gut to be released. Oh, baby, Price sighed, his harsh posturing shattering completely with the utterance of the name. Somehow, that was enough to shatter Soap's resolve, too. With a whimper, his face crumpled, brow furrowing and lips trembling as his welling tears finally carved their way down his grime-stained and flushed cheeks. It was pathetic. He was pathetic. He didn't deserve this vulnerability, not after the stunt he had pulled today, all for a bit of useful but not strictly necessary intel. Simon's fingers traced patterns into the clammy skin of his hands as scarred lips pressed feather-like kisses into the crook of his neck. A small comfort. He deserved punishment. 
I'm sorry, Daddy, he hiccuped, unable to stop himself from leaning into Price's warm palms that now cupped his face with a reverence that he did not deserve. I wanted to be good, to, to make you proud. He w wanted the two of them to just consume him already, tear him to pieces like rabid wolves and leave the scraps to Hoogan and Moonen. To pluck out his eyes as payment for their infinite wisdom, to tear at the foundations that grounded him like Needhogger, and free themselves from the twisting roots he kept them in, shed his corpse and begin life anew. No such thing occurred, much to his displeasure. Sweet thing, Price crooned, a tender sort of mercy in the low notes. You are good for us, so good. How precious, Johnny, Simon chimed in for the first time since Ghost had shoved him onto the edge of their thin, military-issued mattress. His words were warm against the skin of Soap's neck, and the gentle caress of his breath made him want to sink back into Simon's sturdy form, to let him fall into all that was Simon like the rhyme that poured into Ganungagap. He wondered, absently, what that made them. Before him, Price, a fiery bastard with a warm, open heart, willing to guard all that he cared for with guns blazing. Behind him, Simon, the cold-hearted but undeniably gentle soul, who was buried in so many layers of mist it was hard to make out the details. Between them, Ganungagap, a constant battle of fire and ice. But he did not fancy himself Ymir. Soap created nothing of substance, only destroyed all that he held dear. You don't need to prove yourself to us. Price's voice was nothing but a murmur, soft yet inundated with a kind of stern passion. He was leaning in far closer now, their noses nearly brushing with each breath that shook Soap's frame. They shared the same air, each quivering exhale his captain's next inhale, and it was intoxicating in an exhilarating way. It made something deep in his ribcage ache, tearing at him like Surtur's fire, yet he could not find it in himself to hate it to writhe and pull away, lick his wounds, and hope that tonight was not his Ragnarok. The only thing we need from you is to live, Simon picked up where Price left off once more, bouncing off of each other as if they were one being, one heart, one mind, one purpose. Soap folded, a harsh sob racking his body, as his captain and lieutenant were left to hold him upright, hold him afloat. His forehead was pressed to Price's, and though his eyes were now shut, he could feel the man's on him all the same. He was laid bare, torn open in a mockery of a vivisection so that the men before and behind him could claw at the deepest reaches of his soul and claim it for themselves. He'd let them, too. Let them mold his blank slate with their fire and ice, tear him to bits to form their own world to occupy, use his flesh to form the ground beneath their feet, his blood the oceans they drink from, use his skull to cap the heavens of their desires, his bones the mountain peaks they wish to climb, his gray matter the clouds to watch on sunny days and his hair the trees to take shelter under when the weather grows turbulent. There was no greater peace than when Soap surrendered himself to Simon and Price, despite how often he fought such a thing in the name of false idols, pride, and dignity. He had no need for such trivial things here, with Price's calloused thumbs clearing the sensitive skin below his leaking eyes of the salty residue that resided there. With Simon's soothing caresses against his thighs and abdomen, the motion of his hands saying far more than the man was capable of speaking. Make me yours, he begged, voice strained with the desire crawling up his throat like a ravenous leaned worm, the flames licking through his veins only growing as the worm sought to roost. Mold me anew out of fire and ice, he did not say. Respin my faded threads in a way the norms could never hope to replicate. Always, Simon rumbled, as if the notion that he had ever been anything other than theirs was a preposterous one.
a provocation from the slanderous Ratatoskr, for it could be nothing more than rumor. Price's chapped lips upon his own were an answer in and of itself, soft yet forceful, claiming him in a way only the two men beside him could ever hope to do. Though, Soap was beginning to think that even if they carved their initials into every square inch of his skin, paint him in the vivid hues of their desires, it would never be enough to satisfy him. Soap could consume all they had to offer, drink everything from the shed sap of their combined yggdrasil, and still be left yearning for more. He was greedy, selfish, and desperate, yet these men, weapons each in their own right, laid the world before him as if it was the least that they could do, as if Johnny's unforgivable transgressions and blunders were but a negligible rot that they could soothe with the waters of Erdebrunner. Simon's hands roamed without a clear destination, hitching up his shirt with each movement of his war-torn fingers up the scarred skin of his abdomen. Soap knew that his lieutenant had mapped his flesh enough times to pinpoint every divot, every mole and freckle that littered his form with his eyes closed. And yet still, Simon explored like he could never have enough. Price sucked the very breath from his lungs, replacing it with the bitter notes of nicotine and cigar ash. Everything he could ever need went at their mercy. He would gladly suffer the dripping venom, no Sigin by his side to catch his suffering, if it meant that he could have even a moment of this. But Price and Simon had never asked after his suffering. They were never the ones to carve new stories into his skin as much as he would have liked them to. They handled him with a care they showed no other, offering their branches without fuss for him to feed on like a heart, like it was his duty to take all that they offered with sprawling touches that worshipped him with a reverence he would never understand. As if he was the greatest thing the Nine Realms had to offer, and they were indebted for it. For caging him to keep like a placid pet despite Soap's inability to envision a life where there was anything more indispensable than being theirs. These men, his lovers, if he were to be so bold, stitched their vivisection back together with each article of grimy clothing they peeled off of him. They splayed him out on Ghost's bed as if it was the greatest altar they had to offer, and prayed for their own salvation with each new bruise and bite they sucked into his already battered visage. They were ravenous beasts, greedy lean worms in their own right, but they slithered around him, grazed their claws over his flesh with all the care a midwife applied to a newborn. Price's warm, wet mouth over the slick flesh of his cock was a veneration that Soap had no words for. He could not utter the syllables he wanted to brand into their brains, left as nothing more than a jittery, gasping mess under their ministrations. Daddy, he could manage as Price fluttered his tongue over the vein on the underside of his shaft as he slid that wet heat down the aching organ, like Soap was the only deity that he would ever dare show his devotion to. Sir, he could keen when Simon's slick, calloused fingers teased his perineum before driving home into the only place of worship they ever belonged to. They pushed and pulled as one, but never took more than Soap could offer, though, truthfully, he felt as if he could offer them very little. The dull throbbing of his ankle was but a footnote in the face of his demise, for that's what this undoubtedly was. This was Ragnarok, holy and truly, and Soap would relish in each moment if it were to be his last. With each whispered hymn against his flushed skin, each pool of pleasure battle-hardened hands drew from him, he moaned his own reverence, his own prayer of absolution, tied his own noose as a sacrifice to hang from their proffered branches. Simon slicked cock, pu pushing and pulling against his walls with Surtur's flaming sword set to bring him a light and burn him to ashes. 
Price's moans as he jerked his own heated flesh with the sight of soap writhing under his lieutenant's assault was Frere's final stand to postpone the inevitable for a few moments longer. Searing pleasure crested over him once, twice, three times before the devotees that let their reverence be known in bruises and bite marks turned to soft washcloths and grounding praises. Good boy, so perfect for us, baby. Price, we're yours, Johnny. Always. Simon. Little, we'd burn the world for yous, and you're all we could ever needs, until he couldn't tell Simon's voice from Price's, and the cold tides of sleep washed over him as Ragnarok finally came to a close. They had to talk more in the morning, let it be known that no piece of intel could ever be more important than Johnny's very life, their whole world, but they had always been men of action far before they would ever be ones of words.